0: Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast that gets ever harder to do. It's hard to maintain the energy sometimes, especially as we creep toward the end of this book. I think that it ebbs and flows. Certainly we're buoyed by the responses from our listeners, but I can certainly say that personally, sometimes it's it's a burden that I don't know that I totally understood when I got into it. Truly, it is the the danger of, of what little success can be offered by a extremely niche podcast in the era of late-stage capitalism. And this podcast is called The Wise Man's Page. And on this podcast, we read a page of The Wise Man's Fear, and then we talk about it. This is page 618, chapter 93, Mercenaries All. After 14 hours of sleep, I was fit as a fiddle. My companions seemed surprised by this as they'd found me unconscious, cold to the touch, and covered in blood. They had stripped me, rubbed my limbs a bit, then rolled me in blankets and put me inside the bandits' single surviving tent. The other five had been either burned, buried, or lost when a great white pillar of lightning blasted the tall oak that stood at the center of the bandits' camp. The next day was overcast, but blessedly free of rain. First, we tended to our hurts. Hespi had taken an arrow... In the leg, when the sentry had surprised them, Dayton had a deep gash along one of his shoulders, which was fairly lucky considering he'd rushed the sentry barehanded. When I asked him about it, he said he simply hadn't had time to draw his sword. Martin had an angry red lump on his forehead above one eyebrow, either from when I had kicked him over or dragged him around. It was tender to the touch, but he claimed he had gotten worse a dozen times in tavern brawls. After I recovered from the chills, I was fine. I could tell my companions were surprised by my sudden return from the doors of death and decided to leave them to their amazement. A little mystery wouldn't hurt my reputation. I bandaged the ragged cut where the arrow had grazed my shoulder and tended to a few bruises and scrapes I didn't remember receiving. I also had the long, shallow cut I had made on the top of my arm, but it was barely worth stitches. Tempe was unhurt, unruffled, unreadable. Our second order of business was to tend to the dead. While I had been unconscious, the rest of the group had pulled most of the burned, lifeless bodies to one side of the clearing. They tallied thus. End of the page. We will learn about the dead on tomorrow's page. My name is Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy.
1: I feel like when Quoth is like, "I'm not going to explain exactly what went on." It's it's good to cultivate a little mystery. This is another example of Quoth. Thinking he's being clever and not thinking about the consequences because he is thinking, Ah, that's that, like, that makes me seem pretty cool. I'm gonna cultivate this air of mystery about myself. Not really thinking about the fact that his companions are like terrified of him because he did some crazy stuff and he doesn't try to explain himself to them at all, which might humanize him a little bit in their eyes, it might make him seem. Yeah. I want
0: to push back a bit, Jeremy. I think he wants them to be afraid of him. I think that Quoth has internalized, you know, one of the lessons he's internalized from his very difficult youth is that if you can't get someone to respect you or be your friend, then they should fear you. And I think that Quoth is very happy to be feared by these people. He fought very hard for their respect and their friendship. And I think he's kind of settled on, well, this is how I get it. This is how I win by having them fear me. And I also think it's a little bit practical. I also think that like, he probably can't explain to their satisfaction, what exactly binders chills are. Maybe it's not worth trying. Um, So I kind of get it. And I also think that we, it's like, it does say something about his character. I agree with you that like, he is perfectly fine to be feared by them.
1: I, I mean, I think we're saying the same thing here he already established uh,
0: I, I don't know i don't know if we're several the chapters same
1: thing. ago he was like i i have already screwed up by making them afraid of me by just whipping out some sympathy uh in a in an inappropriate time and place and they have no idea what that is and i have made the choice that i'm going to continue to play the part of the mysterious and frightening magician because i need these people to do what i have to say and since i'm a teenager they won't respect me but i can i can work with the fact that now they're afraid of me i think that you're right that that is a strategy he's con- consciously chosen because he thinks it's the best way to get what he wants i think that he hasn't thought through just how afraid they are of him right he he doesn't have any idea he probably doesn't even remember really hearing the conversation that Martin had with Dayton, where Martin made it clear that as far as he's concerned, Quoth is a bloodthirsty, blood-drinking, devil-worshipping sorcerer who cuts up corpses for fun. Like, I don't think he knows just how afraid of them they are, and I think if he did, he might do something to try and mollify them. Because I don't think he wants them to be, like, quaking in their boots afraid that he might murder them at any moment. He just wants them to think of him as someone mysterious and powerful to be respected. And I think that he could still get that from them. Even now he could moderate their terror of him by reminding them that he is still just a person. Right. But he doesn't think of that. And I think that that bears, Fruit that he would rather the tree not bear because I think that he doesn't know how scared of him they really are.
0: I agree with you. I, I, the only thing where I might push back is that I think maybe he does and maybe he's fine with it, but I don't think those things are exclusive.
1: I don't think he does because I don't think he's a psychopath. <laughs> I don't think any, ah, well, I don't think anybody who, like, I think Quoth is a basically good person who makes some questionable decisions and has a mean streak. I don't think he wants anyone to be as terrified. Okay, I take that back. There are some people in the world that I think he wants (laughs) to be, like, shitting their pants scared of him. I don't think these people are among them. I think he would love it. No, but I do think he does enjoy it a little bit. I don't. From these people. I think he would enjoy it, and furthermore, he would be correct to enjoy it from Ambrose. Ambrose deserves to be reduced to a puddle of piss and terror by the thought that Quoth will boil his blood with magic. But these people don't.
0: Jordana, what do you think? You Uh, have to take a side. Well, if I have to take a side, I... Sorry, Jeremy. I'm probably more with Nick on this one. I, like... Oh, snap! In your face! (laughs) But I posit that I do still sit somewhere in between, as per usual. Disgusting. (laughs) <laughs> there's also a little turn of phrase on this page that is important uh Kvothe tosses off uh that he's returned from the doors of death and the doors of death of course are not just a an idiom uh it is a uh, an actual concept there's the three doors that help you escape the i believe they are the the doors of memory the doors of or no, the doors of sleep the doors of memory and finally the doors of death uh, and those are the things that are closed Uh, forever to Haliax. Uh, So uh, a little uh, reminder, perhaps, or a little uh, invocation of the final of the three sets of doors.
1: Yeah. It's also, we don't really know what happened to Dayden and Hespi until now. Like, I think we can kind of assume that they... They came across some bandits and they got into a scrap with them, but we didn't really know what exactly had happened until now when they start to catalog
0: their wounds. Um, I want to talk about this tomorrow, actually, because, I mean, we can talk about it now a little bit um, because what's important is that on this page, we learned that Dayden fought his bandit barehanded. uh, I think because the bandit hurt Hespi. So Dayden just like thoughtlessly protecting Hespi charged forward. The Berserker Rage, and as we learn on the Tomorrow's page, that Dayden killed this guy barehanded. Mm-hmm. Dayden killed one sentry, uh, so, uh, and he never drew his sword. Uh, so uh, we learned something about Dayden, and possibly spurred to this by the fact that Hespi was wounded. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, so it sounds like Hespi, poor Hespi, didn't even get to like participate in the fight, really, because she got taken out by that arrow to the leg, which could be a career ending injury for her. It's not quite clear exactly how bad it is, but it was bad enough to take her out of the fight.
0: Um, and like an arrow. In the I leg. think we can all agree that this is not like, she will not have to retire to white run and become a guard. <laughs>
1: I'm so glad you made that joke.
0: <laughs> unclear, unclear,
1: but taking an arrow to the leg could be fatal if it like nicked the right artery. And at the very least, I think it will put her out of commission for a while. So I hope that she has some kind of mercenary insurance. Cause that sounds pretty bad. I do think you're like, that is an astute and likely uh, inference that Dayton saw has get shot and got so angry that he didn't even think to draw his sword. He just beat a guy to death with his bare hands. But even if that's not the case, the fact that he attacked and and successfully defeated like a well-armed trained soldier uh should tell us something about Dayton's skill as a fighter like he maybe he's not a fancy pants adem but he's good enough to like take on a guy armed with a sword barehanded and win uh without much more than a deep gash along one of his shoulders and if we wanted to we could even like forensically reconstruct the fight like the guy gets off one swing hits Dayton in the shoulder but by that point he can't get his sword back for another swing before Dayden is inside his range, you know, tearing his nutsack off or, like, strangling him to death or whatever it is he
0: did. Uh, Thanks for that, Jeremy. Thanks for that image.
1: You're welcome. Picture, picture that shot from Sin City where Bruce Willis takes away the Yellow Bastard's weapons, both
0: of them, and goes, yoink! Thank you again, Jeremy. Thank you for that. That's definitely what I and all of our listeners want. In their heads this morning during their commute. Good. I'm glad to have provided a a valuable public
1: service, as I always do.
0: I haven't seen Sin City, nor do I have balls, so I'm really not bothered.
1: I could bother you,
0: Jordana, but Uh, I'll do that off the air. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like, Jordana, it's dangerous to challenge us to bother you. That's a good (laughs) point. That happens far too much all on its own. (laughs) Yeah, one thing at which we have years
1: of practice. (laughs) Uh, That's kind of all I got
0: on this one. This is a letter from the Devil and Daniel, who writes a quick note. Hi, pagers. Quick note. Catching up on recent episodes today, and you'd asked about the pinch of ash and brittle steel in Quoth's pocket. Not sure if anyone has responded yet, but here it is. Number one, ash is a link to the distant campfire. Not a great link due to the distance and also the similarity. Ash is of the fire, but not the fire. But would still provide more energy than heat from blood or strength of arm, which he eventually does use. Two, brittle steel, I believe, Ramston. Uh, I don't think it is because he has a Ramston steel knife, which is he broke uh, stabbing the... Uh, belt buckle on the, the guy this is just some some steel i think but who knows uh, brittle steel forms a representation of enemy weapons he uses this to break weapons as he breaks the steel also nick had posited that when the figures come into focus in the woods during the Quoth tempe martin trap scene Quoth shouts to martin to shoot them knowing it's Dayton and hespy dordana commented she didn't read it this way during her reads but acquiesced to nick Nick's justification for this read is the use of the word sullen in the description of Kvothe. I can't speak for Rothfuss and why he chose to use this word, but I disagree with this reading. IMO Kvothe shouted because as the leader of the group and of the trap, it would be upon his direction that a shot would be taken and he needed to shout in order to be heard over the rain. I believe this is supported by army tactics, regardless of weapon sophistication, IG bow and arrow guns, etc., where a defensive position would only fire upon encroaching forces when they're close and within range to ensure the shots are not wasted, improve accuracy, and not give away their position. Now that Jeremy is back, I would be curious to hear his take. Anyway, that's all from me. Hope all is well with you and happy pooping, Nick's dog. Cheers. Signed, The Devil and Daniel. <laughs>
1: uh, well, uh, Devil and Daniel, I regret to disappoint you, but I completely agree with Nick's reading of the page, especially because Quoth gives Martin explicit orders before they take up their positions that they will only attack when Martin attacks. So their plan is to attack on Martin's signal, which will be shooting somebody with an arrow, presumably. Uh, so the only reason Quoth has to call out Martin shoot them is to scare Dayton and Hespy. That's why he does it.
0: And I'm also sure that he knows that Martin has also seen them, so he knows Martin won't actually follow his order
1: exactly and we know that but because all reads are valid mm, no that's not true Um, (laughs) and we know that Quoth knows that we know that Kvothe knows that Martin will have seen them because we established like a few paragraphs before that that uh, Quoth saw one person following them Tempe saw two and Martin saw two or three so he knows that Martin has better eyesight than he does
0: sweet well listeners if you keep on staring at computer screens every day your eyesight will not be nearly as good as martin's but keep your eyes glued to your podcatchers to catch us tomorrow on another page of the wind wind